Hello, everyone, and welcome back for our third episode of Praying Together at Home, a guide through the daily offices. Once again, I am the Reverend Gray Hodston, curate of San Jose Episcopal Church in Jacksonville, Florida, and your guide through the offices. So in our first episode, we began with an introduction to the daily offices and looked through history to see how they came to be in their present form in our prayer book. In our second episode, I directed you to some printed and online resources for the offices. We looked through the daily office lectionary to find out where we get these daily readings and how they are organized. And we went step by step through morning prayer with a few added notes about evening prayer as well. In this episode, we will look at those minor or little offices, noonday prayer, an order for the evening, and Compline. And while these offices may be little compared to the larger staples of morning and evening prayer, they are not of little usefulness. These offices can be a great resource for you in your prayer life, serving as brief structured prayers to refocus yourself in Christ in the middle of the day, in the evening, and at the end of the day. So let's begin with the first of the little offices, noonday prayer. If you remember from the first episode, praying at noon was a staple of the monastic offices, offices that together created a rhythm to pray within a standard working day. At that time, there was not only one structured prayer for the morning and one for the evening, but also other minor or little offices that shaped the day. There was a night vigil in the very early hours of the morning, sometimes called matins. A morning office, also known as matins sometimes, or lauds. Then prime, followed by terse for the third hour at 9 a.m., sext for the sixth hour at noon, and none for the ninth hour, which fell at 3 p.m. And then came Vespers to mark the beginning of the night, and then Compline before bedtime. But if you look in the prayer book now, there are no services to mark 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. There is only noonday prayer. So why is that? Why were the other minor hours not included? Well, first, you may remember that when Thomas Cranmer, the first Archbishop of the Separate Church of England, composed the Book of Common Prayer, he retained only two offices, morning prayer and evening prayer, doing away entirely with these little or minor hours. As we see now in our 1979 American Book of Common Prayer, Noonday Prayer and Compline have returned while the others still remain absent. Or have they? 
as is often the case, the reality is not so cut and dry. Because while the service in our prayer book is called Noonday Prayer, this service is actually all three of those little hours of terse, sext, and none combined into one office. It is then an office more suited for any time of day between morning and evening prayer, not just when the clock strikes noon. And that makes this service far more useful than it may appear at first glance. It's an office that you can pray really at any time in the middle of the day. And if you were to examine the original three offices from which it came, you will see uh, elements of all three remain in this one service. And in fact, different options in the service allow it to be shaped according to the time of day it is prayed, be it uh, late morning, noon, or afternoon. So now, if you have your Book of Common Prayer handy, or if you have access to an app or web version of the prayer book, take a moment to turn to the service of noonday prayer, which in the book begins on page 103. I'll note that if you haven't seen it before, I can't really blame you. It's so short, it's very easy to skip over. But it is there on page 103. So take a moment to pause if you need to to find this. So I want you to track with me if you can. If you have your service open, uh, or, or you can easily see this later on. If you look in this first section of Noonday Prayer and turn the pages or scroll down on your device, you'll see that there are three different psalms here. Uh, you'll see a portion from Psalm 119, Psalm 121, and Psalm 126. And then after these psalms come three very short passages of Scripture. And then comes the section of prayers, beginning with the Kyrie, which is Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, followed by the Lord's Prayer. And then you'll see on page 107 four collects that come before the conclusion of the service. So again, take just a, a moment to look through these if you have uh, access to these, and hit pause if you need to. So we have three psalms, three scripture verses, and four collects. Like morning and evening prayer, there are options. But thinking about how this service is a combination of those uh, previous three little offices, you'll see that the different options here fit with these different little offices, which fell at different times. The first psalm, scripture verse, and collect could fit more with the late morning, for example. The second psalm, second scripture verse, and the second and third collect can be used at noon. 
And the third psalm, the third scripture verse, and the fourth collect could be used in the afternoon. And it is these groupings that fit with their original intention and association with these various times of day. So to restate this, the first psalm, which is Psalm 119, along with the first scripture listed from Romans 5.5, 5, and then the first of the four collects are best suited for later in the morning after morning prayer. You could, if, if you prayed this at around noon, you could pray the second psalm, Psalm 121, then read the second scripture verse from 2 Corinthians, and then use the second and or third collect in the prayers, which both fit with noon. And then say you were to uh, pray this service in the early afternoon. You may choose then to pray the last Psalm, Psalm 126, then read the last scripture verse here from Malachi, and then pray the last collect. So again, there's a lot of flexibility with noonday prayer that really makes noonday prayer a bad name because really it's more of a short service for any time between morning and evening prayer. And choosing what Psalms, scripture verses, and collects will work best depends largely on the time you do the service. But of course, in the end, the choices are yours to make. And when it comes to options, there are even more than the ones listed here. Uh, if you look at the rubric above the Psalms, for example, which is on page 103, it says that there are also a few other suitable Psalms that can be recited here. Uh, so for example, um, all of Psalms 19 and 67, as well as one or more sections of Psalm 119. And if you don't know, Psalm 119 is this really long psalm, the longest psalm in the Psalter, and is divided into multiple sections. And then you can also use a selection from Psalms 120 through 133. So there are several more options possible here than even the ones printed. Then if you turn to the scripture verses and look at the rubric right before them, it says that one of the following or some other suitable passage of scripture is read. So again, flexibility to use any of these or some other passage uh, is, is here. And then turn ahead to the collects once again, which in the book are on page 107, and see the rubric here that falls right before them. Here the rubric says, the efficient says one of the following collects. If desired, the collect of the day may be used. So once again, we see flexibility. But in the end, I say it is always best to choose intentionally. So think about the time of day you are praying this, and I would suggest Choose the Psalms, scripture verses, and collects that really ground you in that time. This is how the services were structured and intended to be used. 
And additions outside of the rubrics can actually distract us from that and be far more of a hindrance than a help. But still, maybe there's some other prescribed combination of psalms, scriptures, and prayers that makes sense for you based on that moment in time. In the end, as the rubrics say, the choice is yours. This concludes our discussion of noonday prayer, a service that you can really pray any time between morning and evening prayer, and it can be a wonderful way to pause briefly in the day for prayer. Next, we come to an order of worship for the evening. And the main thing to know about this service is that it is a service steeped in the theme of darkness and light. Bishop J. Neil Alexander notes that this rite has its roots in the ancient practice of lamplighting, called lacernerium, that accompanied the evening lighting of candles and thus sanctified the transition from day to night. So the lighting of the lights and candles and accompanying prayers signify that light overcomes darkness and that out of the darkness, light will come again. So now, go ahead and turn to that service in the prayer book, which is on page 108, or find it on whatever app or webpage you may be using. And you can take, again, a moment to pause this podcast to do so. Or uh, you can look through this service uh, later if you wish. So if you were there, look at the page before the service begins, which is titled Concerning the Service. And you'll see several things on this page, which I will summarize for you now. First, an order for evening can be used in place of evening prayer, or it can be used as an introduction to evening prayer. It can also be used as the entrance rite for a Eucharist, so long as it is held in the latter part of the day. And the rubric even notes, it is appropriate for use in private houses. So if you want to do this at home, this is perfectly fine. And Bishop Alexander suggests that you could even use it as a part of an evening meal, should you wish. So there's a lot of kind of neat flexibility with this service that, that can come in handy. And if you are interested in doing this service, I commend all of these directions to you. They have some important notes on, on how to do it, especially in a public setting. But these are also helpful and important for private use as well. Now, turning to the service itself on page 109 in the prayer book, and again, pause here if you need to, to find your place. And if you look at the first rubric, you'll see an important direction. The church, or whatever room, is dark, or partially so, when the service is to begin. 
And if you're doing this at home, you should really try to accomplish the same thing in, in the home as well. Because as I mentioned earlier, the point is to really acknowledge and experience the contrast between darkness and light. Also note what isn't said here. It doesn't make any provision for music or anything else. And that's because the intention for this service is that it start in darkness and also in silence. And if this sounds dramatic, that's kind of the point. Now in a church setting, the ministers would probably enter the space in silence and carry uh, a large candle in or, or some kind of equivalent in procession. But at home, obviously this wouldn't apply unless you're really into drama for your own benefit. At home, the point really is just to mark, however possible, the darkness and silence at the beginning. The service then begins with one of the provided opening acclamations, uh, which depends on the occasion and the season. And then you'll see several options for scripture readings, all of which evoke that same theme of darkness and light. So here, if you are using the, the prayer book or app, turn to the next page, uh, which is page 110. You'll see here the other options for the scripture readings all printed here. And then after these options for scripture readings comes the prayer for light. And again, there are multiple different options for the prayer for light here, some tied to specific seasons and occasions, as you can see. Traditionally, it is after this prayer for light that other candles are lit. So go ahead and flip to the next page or scroll further on your device. And you'll see now the rubric for this. And, and just note that as the candles are being lit, you can sing anthems or psalms if you would like, or you can simply light the room in silence. And once all the candles are lit, we then move to the next part of this service, which is called the, the Phos Hilaron, or O Gracious Light. Now I'm curious, does this by any chance look familiar? Think back to the last episode. And if you remember, this is the same hymn text that comes in evening prayer, just after the opening and before the reading of the psalm. And now we see it here in this order for evening as well. And looking at the text, it makes a lot of sense that it would be not only an evening prayer, but here in this service too. The themes of light and dark, with the setting of the sun and beholding the vesper light, are the core of this wonderful hymn text, and also at the core of this service. Now, how you choose to use this service, like if you use it with evening prayer, or with the Eucharist, or with a home meal, or just as a service on its own, however you do it, will determine how the service flows from here. So if you look after the Phos Hilaron, you'll see these various rubric, rubrics that tell you what to do.
So if it's used as the opening to evening prayer, it's pretty easy to figure out where to pick up. Because right after the Fos Hilaron here, you can pick up with evening prayer following when the Fos Hilaron is used there. So in that case, you would resume with the Psalms and then the readings and canticles and so on. So basically, to do that in order, you would go through an order of worship for the evening until you get to the Fos Hilaron. And then you turn in evening prayer to the Fos Hilaron in evening prayer and then pick up everything from there. Another option um, is that you can pair an order for evening with the Eucharist. Now, you wouldn't do this at home, of course, unless a priest were present. But if you were to do this, you would transition uh, from an order for evening to the salutation at the beginning of the Eucharist. The Lord be with you, and the response, and also with you, and then the collect of the day. So in this case, uh, an order for evening serves basically as an alternative entrance rite to the Eucharist. Now, say you use this service in conjunction with a meal or other activity, which you may very well choose to do at home. And in this case, you would continue after the Fos Hilaron with just the Lord's Prayer and then conclude with a grace or blessing. So this is really a simple and familiar way to end. And then the final option is if this stands alone as its own service. And in this case, you would continue on with the service after the Fos Hilaron as it is written out here in the prayer book, uh, which you can see on the following page, page 113. And so in that case, uh, you, would, you would do an order for evening instead of evening prayer, uh, because at that point, this service really stands on its own. And looking at the structure uh, that, that ends the service here uh, with its various order and components, you can see that there's a lot of flexibility to do as you wish, so long as you follow this order. Um, I won't go through it in any detail because uh, you can follow along and, and see all of those components for yourself. So that is the order for evening. Another little office that can be a great resource for you, and as you have just heard, can serve a lot of different functions in a lot of different environments, from a large gathering in a church to something you can do at home to mark the sunset and nightfall. And last but not least in our tour through the daily offices, we come to an order for Compline. This service has become a popular one for many Episcopalians, from its use at youth and young adult camps and retreats to sung Compline services at many churches. Personally, I have participated in both, I still fondly recall Compline services at my campus ministry in college with some contemporary music, 
and also a Compline with a men's choir and incense at my parish in Tallahassee, and even a short spoken Compline with my housemates in seminary after we would clean our house and eat together every few weeks or so. And I know that my experience is not alone. Compline is popular in many circles of the church. And like noonday prayer, it is rooted in the ancient monastic prayer tradition. And if you recall from the first episode, it even retains the same name. But like noonday prayer, Compline was not included in Thomas Cranmer's first book of common prayer. It wasn't until the 20th century, with our latest prayer book from 1979, that Compline made its comeback. And without disparaging some of the current ways Compline is used, it is important to know the purposes for which it was intended and practiced by monastic communities over time. And as you heard in the first episode, Compline was intended to be the final office of the day, just before bedtime. It was a way of punctuating the day in prayer, such that the very last act one does before turning out the light is praying to God. And the prayers themselves show this with their very words. Prayers for God's watch and protection through the night. So, just as with all the other services, if you are able, take a moment to turn to an order for Compline, which is on page 127 in the Book of Common Prayer, or you can find it on your digital BCP or webpage. And you can take a moment again to pause this podcast if you need. So look at the service, and from the opening words we see the theme. The Lord Almighty grant us a peaceful night and a perfect end. Then comes a versicle and response, acknowledging that our ultimate help comes from the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is followed then by a confession. And this confession, you'll notice, is worded a bit differently than our traditional confession in morning and evening prayer and also the Eucharist. This confession is also optional, but since this is the end of the day, it does seem like the perfect time to confess your sins. So personally, I would rarely, if ever, omit this. This is followed by another versicle, O God, make speed to save us, and the response, O Lord, make haste to help us. And then the Gloria Patri common to nearly all of the offices, as we have seen, along with the ensuing Alleluia, except in Lent. Over these next few pages, you will then see four different psalms. Psalms 4, 31, 91, and 134, along with four verses of scripture, as well as four collects. Four, four, and four. So here the rubrics guide us to read one or more of the following psalms, and one or more of these verses of scripture, and 
only one of the following collects. So if you think back to noonday prayer, which has a similar arrangement, how might the service intend you to pair the psalms and the readings? Well, just like in noonday prayer, the pairings are best done in order, and you can see this for yourself. Psalm 4, for example, pairs well with the first reading from Jeremiah, as well as the first collect. The second psalm, Psalm 31, pairs well with the second reading from Matthew and the second collect, and so on and so on. Of course, these pairings are not at all required, and the rubrics don't mention these pairings, but it is a pattern to keep in mind as you discern what psalms and scriptures to pair together when you pray this service on your own or officiate it with others. Note also that a hymn suitable for the evening may be sung after the short scripture reading and before the prayers. You can find several in the hymnal 1982 that are especially appropriate, uh, including hymns such as 38, 40, 43, 44, and 45. This space for an optional hymn is followed by the following versicles and responses, the Kyrie, and then the Lord's Prayer. And just one note about the Lord's Prayer here. You'll see two options, one traditional and one contemporary. Uh, these same two versions appear through the other offices and in the Eucharist as well. But you might notice that something is missing here, something that is in the Lord's Prayer in the Eucharist and in morning and evening prayer. Do you see it? Well, if you look at the end, you'll see that the doxology, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, is not there. And this is also the case for noonday prayer as well. So why is that? Well, if you look at the Lord's Prayer in the biblical text, there is no doxology. It's not in the earliest texts of the New Testament, and you only see it now in some versions that have preserved it in Matthew's Gospel. And actually, the earliest books of common prayer didn't have the doxology at the end of the Lord's Prayer in any of its services either. So in these little offices, you see this form of the Lord's Prayer without the doxology at the end. Now, after the Lord's Prayer, we get to the four collects that I mentioned earlier, uh, from which only one is said. And then on the following page in the prayer book, you'll see that you can add one of the additional prayers that begin, Keep watch, dear Lord, and O oh God, your unfailing providence. The first of these you may recognize because it also occurs in the service of evening prayer, and it is also one of my favorite prayers in the offices. So in all, there should at most be two collects, one from the first four and possibly one of these last two. And then after these collects, there is space for free intercessions and thanksgivings 
that you can offer silently or aloud. And then comes the recitation of the Song of Simeon, also known as the Numptimidus. Once again, this may look familiar to you because it is one of the two canticles of evening prayer and also one of the many canticles uh, that you can choose for morning prayer. So we see it again here. And it is especially fitting here because the Nunc Dimittis is the traditional canticle for night prayer. And it doesn't take much to see why. It is a canticle that evokes being set free and going now in peace. Here, this canticle is just a bit different from where it appears elsewhere in the prayer book, only because there is this antiphon that occurs at the beginning and end. Guide us waking, O Lord, and guard us sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. And this antiphon really contextualizes this canticle for the final moments of the day. The service then concludes with the benediction. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The same benediction that ends all of the offices, except for the order for evening. And then comes the final blessing. So all of these components are what make up Compline. And while it has certainly grown in its popularity in public settings, it can also be a great resource for you at home, either with others or by yourself just before bed. This concludes the third and penultimate episode of our series. Thank you once again for following along with me in this guide through the daily offices. And be sure to listen to the last episode, which gets to the real question of this series. What can the offices offer us in our everyday lives? And especially, what can they offer us in this moment as we navigate this pandemic? May God's peace be with you all today and in the days to come. This episode of our podcast relied heavily on a couple of sources. Once again, the Book of Common Prayer, 1979, and then also, once again, Bishop J. Neil Alexander's Celebrating Liturgical Time, Days, Weeks, and Seasons, uh, and in particular, the chapter Marking the Meantime. 